Okay, folks, um, bit of a heavy subject today, but I'm not in a particularly heavy mood, so let's see how this works out. <laughs> this might get a bit silly. Silly when heavy. Okay, so the, the new course on codependency is out. It's called Summoning the Self, and it's available now from SpartanLifeCoach.com. My recommendation uh, is if you're going to do the course, you should already be pretty on top of your um, emotional flashbacks and your emotional literacy. And when I say on top of it, I mean you should have lived with it long enough that it becomes a natural thing that you do. So if you get into trouble, you do an emotional literacy exercise and it's not weird for you to do the hand mnemonic. It's just a natural part of your daily life. The reason being is because this course goes straight into the superstructure of the personality, such as personalities are, the, the fiction, the fictional structure, and starts pointing directly at the beliefs that hold the patterns of behavior that we call codependency, echo, fawn responding, and people pleasing in place. Why is this uh, gonna be triggering? Why is this gonna set off the Trigosaurus? The Trigosaurus is gonna be set off because um, we don't usually point directly at the problems that we have. We usually, we, the royal we, psychology, psychotherapy, personal development, it goes round the houses. I mean, I've, I'm not gonna turn this into a rant about the state of counseling and psychotherapy, but there tends to be a lot of talk around the subject. So we go, we, we, there's an assumption, a naive assumption uh, within psychotherapy, within counseling. There's two big naive assumptions. One is the assumption of the individual, which means that if you have a problem, you have a problem. It's not in your environment. It's not in your culture. It's not in your tribe. It's you. You've got something wrong with you. And the second um, uh, naive and, and quite frankly false assumption is that just by talking about it, we're going to get better. This is total fucking nonsense. You can talk about something and actually practice your neurosis. You can talk about something and make yourself worse. Everybody who's been to counseling and psychotherapy has experiences of this, where they'll say, actually, it made me feel more depressed, it made me feel, feel more anxious. So the assumption that there's a problem in you, false, dangerous. The assumption that just talking about it is gonna make you better, false, dangerous. This course pops um, both of those fallacies wide open. So I will be, within the course, what I do, like, um, the the uh, it's a little bit my approach is 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 somewhat crude in the there's not it's not like it's swearing and i'm going off on one it's a very sober course uh, it's that it's delivered in a sober way but i am treating the problem as though it's an engineering problem and i'm saying okay your machine is not functioning properly what are you doing what are we doing when we say when we say we're being echo, we're being the typical narcissist target, we're being a people pleaser, we're being a codependent, we're being a fawn responder. When people identify this way, it's not real. There's not actually like an observable virus or a bacteria that we're under attack from. It's just a pattern of behavior. 
Well, patterns of behavior are rooted in beliefs. Beliefs are your reality tunnel. So this, the other reason why this is triggering is because I'm coming after your belief system. I'm coming after it and I'm not playing. In this course, I'm not playing. I'm not like, hey, you know, maybe some of the assumptions and the stories that we're living, maybe they're not right. I'm like, no, actually that's wrong and you can't do that anymore. Coming, having somebody come after your beliefs is never gonna be, uh, whatever the opposite of an ego stroke is, it's the opposite of that. You'll be like, hey, get off. Like, why? No, I like that. I like that belief. I left that piece of furniture just like that because that's how I like it. Don't touch it. And I'm going, no, that's wrong. See this thing you have, it's wrong. Get rid of it and replace it. So I'm going to be coming for your beliefs. Some of them you won't care about. Some of them you'll go, fine, you can, you can have that. I, I always knew that that was shit. It's been lingering in my unconscious. It's lingering in the, in the shadow. I, never, I, I knew it was there and I knew it was wrong. Okay, take it. Some of them you will not feel that way about. There's one part of the course, it's right at the end of the course. So I, it's, it's delivered as a, it's, it's a 30 day course. So you have week one, week two, week three, week four. You have exercises you're supposed to do every day that are written exercises and you have audios that you listen to every day. And it starts out not too bad, but as the course progresses, I expect more from you. And so by the end of the course, we're doing things like saying, hey, you know you, the fact that you think judging a person is morally wrong and that rejecting a person is morally wrong and there's judgment, rejection, condemnation is morally wrong. No, do not judge. Judge not that ye be not judged. Condemn not that ye be not condemned. Reject not that you are not subjected to rejection yourself. I'm like, no, 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 all that's horseshit. You must judge, you must condemn, and you must reject. This is one example of something that's from the course. I know that people are going to kick off. I know they're going to hate that because sometimes it, it, it goes directly against their religious beliefs, um, it might be against their philosophy of being, it might be part of their sense of who they are as a good person. So it will attack the ego ideal. No, I'm an empath. I'm a loving, kind person. I don't judge, I don't condemn, I don't reject, and I say, fine. Then you'll be codependent forevermore. You will always be codependent. You will always come from what Nietzsche identified as the slave morality. It is better to fawn. It is better to serve. It is better to be a good slave. My reward comes in the afterlife. Okay, oh, okay. So the scope of this course and its development, it's been coming since early 2019 and it's now the latter quarter of, uh, of 2020. Um, it, it grew and then I chopped it in half. So this actually is half of the original course because as I went into each piece, it expanded. And I was like, okay, I don't expect people to deal with all of this in one go. Once we start looking at codependency for real, for real, we're gonna be looking at individuation. That's the next course. And it's, it's big things, it's proper things, it's big man things, it's not, this is not petty, this is not small. Um, and you can't have this discussion without looking at societal and cultural coordinates as well. And I'm like, well, not everybody wants to do that, man. Not everybody wants a philosophical discourse. So this part, 
part one, summoning the self, is for people who are like, all right, dude, I hear you, something, something Nietzsche, something, something Adler, something, something superego, it's all a bit overwhelming. I just don't wanna get into narcissistically abusive relationships again. I wanna be able to assert myself at work. I wanna command respect for my children. This sort of level, this is this course. But it's tough, it's really tough. No cheap solutions are offered here. No easy get out clauses are offered here. If you can't be flex, like, let's say it like this. Number one, it's gonna be triggering, so your, uh, your emotional regulation work needs to be really, really good. I ran it with test subjects, and uh, one of the test subjects um, went into a really intense emotional flashback that lasted uh, um, a day and a half off the first exercise. Because the first exercise, we start looking at where are you codependent? When are you codependent? How are you codependent? Because you're not codependent all the time, but certain people and certain contexts induce a fawning response in which you become hyper agreeable. So let's identify them. If the emotional literacy work is not strong, so you need to be literate and you must be regulated. The way to be literate and regulated is to have done, it's an arbitrary number really, but like, how long would it take for a, a normal person, an average person to be driving along and then go into depression or go into rage or go into anxiety and then and have the thought, I'm in an emotional flashback now, number one. And number two, I can do something about this. I actually have a solution to this. I, I really think you've got to have been doing it several times a day, every day for more than 21 days. And probably if we, see if we say 30 days, you probably will miss five, right? So there's a discretionary gap between what I tell you to do and what you actually do. So that's why I'm saying you need to have done like 30 days of it. You need to be, um, the church bells. Oh, can you hear that? Oh, that's it, uh, that's the Catholic church. It's, um, it's, it's complaining. It's the Catholic cathedral. They know what I'm saying to you. They're like, don't you free them? Don't you free them from our grasp? We've been at this for millennia. Do you know how much hard work we've put into this and now you wanna save them from slave mentality, from slave morality? Damn you, they'll be burning me later um, if they can catch me, which they can't. So um, you're gonna have to be emotionally literate. You need to be emotionally uh, regulated. I think it's slowing down. I don't even know why they're banging the bells right now. I don't know, I don't know what it's for. What day is it today? It's not Sunday, right? It's Wednesday. Um, because this is gonna to be tough. And I would say this as well before the course. So you've got to have done like 30 days of emotional flashback work, your hand mnemonic and your emotional literacy. If you're not sure how to do that, go to Fortress Mental Health Protection System on YouTube. There's a whole course there, it's step by step, really plain, uh, straightforward, easy to understand, no crazy psychoanalytic language that, that gives you a headache. Um, and then you'll learn how to do that. And then the second thing I would say is you must be willing to change your core beliefs. You must be willing to be humble because it takes great humility to say the way I've been living up until now is wrong. Some of the things that I call morally righteous behavior 
or not their cowardice. We're cowards. Life coaching. SpartanLifeCoach.com. We're a bunch of fucking cowards. Codependency is entrained cowardice. Um, Fawn responding is entrained cowardice. To the extent that uh, it's, it's, com it's fundamentally conflict averse. Now, you can be a big tough guy and a big tough girl and still be a fucking coward. In fact, uh, I've noticed a really high correlation. You know what you see is like uh, superficially being very tough. So you speak to like soldiers, bodyguards, police, uh, MMA fighters, bodybuilders, fucking nightclub bouncers and all that. The overwhelming majority of those people are in um, abusive relationships. Men and women, like female cops, female fighters, same thing. Men and women, it's all the same thing. Why? Because in the Adlerian sense, their toughness, the machismo, the front that they're putting out is a compensatory gesture. He was the man who came up with the term inferiority complex. That's Alfred Adler, who was modeled a pretty important chunk of his work on the work of Nietzsche. Nietzsche is the guy who gives us the, uh, it's like, it's more psychology than, it's as much psychology as it is philosophy, the idea of the slave morality. The idea that if you have a moral system that says submission, meekness, fawning and codependency is good, you have the moral system of a slave. The moral system of the masters is not saying submission, your reward is in the afterlife, be, be good, bear the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. The more endurance you have, the more you can tolerate pain now, the, the more morally righteous you are and the bigger apartment you'll be given when you actually die and go to heaven. This is, this is according to, to Nietzsche's idea of the slave morality, is wrong. And it breeds codependence and it breeds resentment and then it breeds ressentiment. Forgive my French, pardon my French. Ressentiment. If you're interested, go look it up. So this is what we're actually trying to overcome here. When you'd be like, no, dude, I just don't want to be in narcissistically abusive relationships. And I'd say, no, dude, if you don't want to be in narcissistically abusive relationships, you need to uproot the philosophical roots of how you view reality. Because if you're telling yourself a story that being meek and submissive is good and that giving yourself away for others is is always the best option, you're sick and you're a coward. You're not morally righteous because that's not a choice. That's a compulsion. So here's what we're looking for in the course. People can be set to uh, codependent fawn responding, which is I'm always submissive no matter what I'm faced with. Or they can be narcissistic, psychopathic and predatory, which is I'm always dominating no matter what the situation is. Neither, both of these are completely sick. They don't, there's no choice there. That's like my neurotic compulsion is to dominate. My neurotic compulsion is to submit. Both are coming from the false self and they're both dead in that sense. If you've been keeping up with uh, Sam Backman's videos recently, they're both dead. These are not, these are not alive states. We're not alive effectively because the false self is a robot. It's a scarecrow. It's a, it's a, uh, Potemkin village, it's a front, it's not, there's no life there, so there's no choice there. If there's no life, no conscious awareness, it's just a robot just going through a series of like uh, 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 stimuli and response, completely dead. It seems to be intelligent, but it isn't. So what we want is something in the middle. This is way harder. This is easy. 
Your codependency is easy. My codependency is easy. It's the coward's response. It's an addictive response. I'll be safe if I do this. For the uh, narcissist and the psychopath, this also is easy. This is the easiest thing for them to do. They've always done it. It's a practiced, non-conscious response. What's hard is being alive. What's hard is having to make a decision, be humble, be vulnerable, alive, in the moment, present, and make a decision now. Sometimes it is good to serve. I serve you guys. I do more than I need to. I overgive sometimes, and I choose that. It's a genuine choice. Sometimes it's not, and that's sick. Sometimes you will need to be the person who dominates. You will need to be the person who puts yourself first. There are, like, we all have imaginations. You're all intelligent people here. You can think of scenarios where it would be critical to the survival of your tribe for your needs to be met first. You just have to go through some like sci-fi fantasy thriller scenarios where you know things that never happen in daily life happen and it's a survival scenario and if you want to feed i don't know 20 kids who can't feed themselves but you're at the point of death because you're dehydrated and starving guess who needs to eat first right so <laughs> there are scenarios where both is required but this is life this is aliveness if you are not ready for this Stay the fuck away from this course. I'm not going to be boxing people and wrestling with people, trying to convince them to give up their... That's, that's codependence. Why would I wrestle you? Why would I box you? I'm okay. <laughs> like, if you don't like it and you want to do... So, you you want to stay in codependency or you like being codependent. That's nothing to do with me. That's nothing to do with me at all. If you come to me, the only dynamic that is healthy here is if you come to me in all humility and say, please help me. And then I reply in all sincerity and try to help you. Everything else is role play. Everything else is dominance hierarchies and ego assertion and manipulation. It's, it's the only format. It's got to the point where sometimes when people are asking me questions, I have to remind them who I am and why we're speaking. And I'm like, hello, my name is Richard Grannon. If you have a question about overcoming CPTSD or narcissistic abuse, I can try to help you, but that's it. I'm not a guru. This is not a cult. These are ideas. If you think this would serve you, if you have the sense inside of you that there are some things you do that you're telling yourself, is, is for the benefit of the many and because you're Jesus down from his cross and you're a martyr and you're gonna save the world through your sacrifice. Good for you, man, good for you. It's nothing to do with me though and I can't help you. I can't help people who are gonna rigidly cleave to the old belief system. We're all going to have to upgrade. People who follow me, people who don't follow me, this culture, this society we have now, it's done. It's, it's, it's finished. This is, if you feel bad at the moment, if you're depressed, if you're anxious, if you're feeling a bit weird, probably you're grieving what has been. This year has been a true revelation. This year has been an apocalyptic year. We have seen much that now cannot be unseen. So culture as we've known it is done. Everybody, everybody is gonna have to do this to some degree or they'll die in some sense. It doesn't need to be through me, it doesn't need to be my way of doing things, but everybody's gonna to have to review their belief systems and adapt them, or they will die. They won't be able to function uh, in, the, in 
in the world we now live in. The old way of doing things is done. Um, we will, because of this, because of the breakdown of the narrative, because of the breakdown of the belief system that's coming, don't want to scare people, but a degree of violence is, is kind of inevitable now. Uh, a degree of great upheaval is kind of inevitable now. Those of us who are willing to give up what went before. And remember, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. So at the micro level, as, as individuals, our relationships with narcissists were not great. Being servile, being somebody's slave, you're not alive. That's why the course is called Summoning the Self. You're not really alive. You are keeping the authentic you, you've kept it through necessity away. You've kept it safe in a cave, distant from everybody. So you're not really living. Now we summon it back. It won't come willingly. Why would it? It's never been here. It's never been welcome. Why is it the self isn't going to go, ta-da, I'm back. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be doing this. Well, why? Sell me. Sell me on the idea of being present. Sell me on the idea of being alive. That's where all the risk is. But we must. At the micro level, at the macro level, this is going to be the, the challenge. So for those of you who are up for it, it's available now from SpartanLifeCoach.com. Um, you must be emotionally literate first. You must be emotionally regulated first. Uh, I'm not going to get into arguments with people about the beliefs that are challenged on the course. I'm not going to go back and forth anymore on emotional literacy and stopping emotional flashbacks. I've been telling people for three years now, you must stop your emotional flashbacks. You must become more emotionally literate. If you ask me questions that are answered by, you must stop your emotional flashbacks and you must become more emotionally literate. I'm not going to answer them anymore. I'm not going to keep giving the same answer again and again. You must be willing to lift a finger to help yourself. You must be willing. It doesn't need to be this, but you must be willing to help yourselves. If I continue to overgive and overhelp people, it's a codependent relationship and it will keep you sick. It's up to you. You do this or you do something else, but you must do something. The way you've been before, if you hold on to that stuff, ooh, the next couple of years are gonna hurt. It's gonna suck. It's gonna really suck. But if you move forward as an adult, as an adult, as a grown-up, and you're like, okay, big boy pants on, big girl pants on, here we go, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. It's not going to be that bad. Okay, I'm going to take some questions now. Um, I don't remember my glasses. I'm going to have to peer at the screen. Peering commences. If you have any questions, um, please make them one sentence long and have them end in a question mark. Emily asks, how do you not identify with your emotions so you can observe them? So the, the system for doing that has been given. It's called the Stop Emotional Flashback course. It's available from the uh, Fortress Mental Health Protection System. It tells you step by step how not to identify with your emotions, how to identify your emotions as separate and to make it so that you're, uh, you have uh, what we call internal boundaries. Everybody's been very focused on external boundaries. How, how do I tell my boss to piss off? How do I ask my boss for a raise? How do I do this with my partner? Da, da, da. We missed the point. Like your external boundaries are just an automatic, unconscious reflection of your internal boundaries. If you've got in good internal boundaries, 
this stuff won't be a problem in your life. You'll do it automatically and unconsciously. So if you do this work, the summoning the self work, you'll handle all of those things. Uh, Saz says, how is this different from all of your other courses? I bought all the others. I just told you, literally, that's all I've been doing for the last 24 minutes is telling you what this course is about. CB says, any advice on physical symptoms after breaking up with a narcissist like hot flushes and sweating? No, I'm not a doctor, sorry. If it's part of an emotional flashback, which it could be, could be the somatization of emotional flashbacks, then I recommend doing the emotional flashback work. Okay, if you can make the questions one sentence long and uh, end in a question mark, that would help me. Nicole, how do we know we're ready for this course for sure? I don't want to make a mistake and think I'm ready, but not be. Um, then you're not. If you're not sure, then you're not. I hope you're having a good day says master discipline, master life today has been a good day. Started well and is going well up to this point. Um, Hi Richard, I suffer from abandonment issues rather than codependency. What would your advice be to work on this? Um, well, abandonment issues uh, are gonna be held in place as a series of emotional flashbacks. What you're trying to do is uh, not re-experience uh, childhood trauma. So really what you have to deal with is the childhood trauma first and foremost, um, whatever it was that happened in childhood that led to the abandonment anxiety. CB says, I'm so grateful for all you are doing. You're very welcome, CB. Master Discipline, Master Life says, good. Uh, what are the somatic aspects of your course or do you include them? No, um, it's, it's not my field of expertise. Uh, somatic elements is, you know, I would always just say to people, be aware of the somatic space, be aware of what's going on inside of your body because there is that space between physical sensation and emotion that we just call the somatic space because I don't know, don't know what else to call it. You feel a certain way. When you're happy, you feel it in your body, but it's not... It's not like a physical sensation, like this is a physical sensation, but something is happening in the body. So I would always say tune into the somatic space, but I don't have, uh, when we talk in therapeutic terms about somatic-based therapy, that usually involves touch. There's no touch in, uh, in my course. How much would it be to have all courses in regards to BPD? Um, I, I, don't, I don't have courses that are set up as like BPD or NPD. It's not, that's not how things are set up. Um, if you have, if you've been diagnosed with BPD, the way that I would treat that is I would treat it as CPTSD if I were you. If you're gonna help yourself, or you're gonna recruit a counselor or a therapist, and I recommend you do, um, then I would be looking at treating it as a post-traumatic stress response. The course for doing that is free. It's called Fortress Mental Health Protection System and it's available on YouTube. Question, how are you really feeling about me? I've been showing up for myself recently, dealing with the emotional flashbacks and codependency, but how do I know, ooh, it's fading. How do I know if I'm making the right decisions for myself when I've never shown up for myself like this before? It's gonna take time. 
the more emotionally literate you are, the more emotionally intelligent you become. Emotional intelligence is a, is a fascinating area. We've not really spoken enough about it. But you, if, if there's emotional intelligence, you can also be emotionally dumb. And a lot of us who are emotionally illiterate, it's like a polite way of saying you're emotionally dumb, emotionally numb, numb and dumb, like a block of wood. So your intuition switches off. So your sense of what's right and what's wrong goes out the window. So I keep saying, do the emotional literacy work, do the emotional literacy work. And people keep going, I'm not doing that. That sounds like nonsense. It couldn't possibly work. Writing down emotions is too simple for the problem that I have. So they don't do it and they stay emotionally illiterate which is the same thing. If you are illiterate, you can't read or write. If you're emotionally illiterate, you have no fucking idea what you're feeling. So I go, what are you feeling? How do you feel? And you go, well, I think, and I say, no, give me an adjective that describes an emotion. And then people go, oh. And I say to them, are you dissociating? And they go, can you read my mind? How did you know I was dissociating. I'm like, I'm just really good at this. I'm just really fucking skillful. Maybe I'm psychic. So you dissociate in terror because you don't know how to feel. You don't know what your emotions are doing. Think about that. You as a human being, as this intelligent, nuanced, multi-layered, hierarchical, biomechanical feedback system, psycho-cybernetic system, most of the feedback you're getting comes from emotion. Your emotions are your feedback system and you're not getting any feedback. You're not taking any feedback. You're like, no, not today. You're like Hitler in his bunker in the last days. You're like, no, not today. I don't want to know how we're doing on the Russian front, thank you. And if you tell me, I'm going to shoot you in the head. So everybody's like, oh, well, let's just not give them any more feedback then. And that's what's happened. You're walking around emotionally illiterate, emotionally dumb, emotionally numb. And then you go, I'm anxious and I don't know why. I'm really cranky and I don't know why. I'm doing this and I don't know why. I drink too much and I don't know why. You're not receiving the intelligence from your system. You're shutting it out. The messengers are banging on your door trying to tell you like, we have a problem over here. There's an opportunity over here. This seems to be good, but that's your emotions are doing that. They're like really loyal messengers. And then people say, well, what about the bad ones? What about the bad ones? Anger, jealousy, envy. It's all good data, folks. It's all good data. Take it. They're your messengers. They're your homies. They're not your enemies. They're not trying to ruin your morning. They're trying to tell you, like, that, see that situation with that person? Yeah, we feel this way and this way and this way, but we're also feeling this. And if you know with literacy, literal literacy, to a nuanced degree, how you feel about that situation, you will, you will experience a revelation. You go, oh, I actually feel apprehension towards this person. I actually feel, fucking, I don't know, the argument I had with my girlfriend is not because I'm angry with her, it's because I'm disappointed. Do you know the difference between I'm angry with you and I'm disappointed with you? One is like divorce. The other one is you love each other more at the end than you did before. Emotional literacy is key, but what can I say? What can I say? I keep saying it. People don't listen to me. I don't know why they don't listen. They should go to Gulag. In the Gulag, you will be made to do emotional literacy every day. You want to eat? You do exercise. Or you don't eat.
Any questions, guys? We make them one sentence long and end in a question mark. That'd be helpful. UG Rose, thank you for moderating, says, if you know yourself as someone who doesn't take a stand for yourself, when you feel uncomfortable, used and manipulated, you have to learn to stand for your authentic self. It is a relearning. It's a, it's a reinitiation into, uh, into adulthood. Um, we're not adults. People who identify as codependents, we're not adults. We don't know how to live as adults. We've never even, re not only have we never even lived as adults, we've never really lived, because we're not present. Uh, I don't want to reveal too much from the course, um, but one of the things that I touch on in the course is, is the addictive property of codependency. It works, it's not all bad. You get to abrogate your responsibility to be an adult. You get to abrogate responsibility for the decisions made in your life. I could look at the last six years or, uh, let me see. Like if I wind the clock back to when I was 36, from 36 to 30, six years, I, what, nothing that happened then was my fault. Nothing that happened then was my fault. My girlfriend was BPD, she had NPD, she was probably histrionic, she did this, she did that. Let me tell you, this, you've never heard a story like this. Let me tell you my story. Let me feed you my narrative. Great, six years, six good years, young. I was young, fit and intelligent. Six good years, gone. Whose fault is that? Well, I, not mine. Not mine, it's not on me. You see how through the back door, through sneaking around, we find a way of abrogating our responsibility. We go, no, it's not, it's not for me. And everybody's doing this, whether you're, you know, codependency is a spectrum that actually includes narcissists as well. And this is where we're going to culturally. Nobody's taking responsibility for anything. Everybody's doing this for everything. It's posturing and abrogation, posturing, abrogation. Posturing, abrogation. Virtue signaling, abrogation. Virtue signaling and then absolvement. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. That's not actually my job. That's not actually what I said. So we're all living this codependent nightmare. Yes, narcissism is a problem. As I said on the video before last, narcissism of course is a huge problem, but codependency is a far worse problem. The fact that some people are predators and they're dicks and they lie and they control people and they put out this false narrative, that's terrible. But they've got no power unless the masses all go, and just accept it. Like a bunch of fucking brain dead, zombified, wank obsessed, codependent cattle. We get what we deserve, man. We get what we deserve. Not as children, children have no choice. But we're not children, there's no children here. We're all adults and you have like, the mental shift includes uh, giving up this addiction to the victim narrative. You, you've got to let it go. You've got to let go of this, I did nothing wrong. I just, I just was there and I did nothing wrong. Well, nothing wrong, nothing immoral. Is saying yes to somebody a piece of shit moral? Is letting somebody who's a piece of shit get away with their shittiness moral? No, that's not moral, that's cowardice. Plain and simple. It's not like, oh, I don't know, maybe moral relativism, what's true for me might not. Bullshit. It's cowardice and it's ruining everything. It's ruining reality itself. It's falling apart. It's breaking apart in our fingers and everybody's going, why is this happening? What a fucking mystery. 
Isn't this strange? No, no, it's not fucking strange. It's not causeless. It's not without explanation. The answers are right there. If nobody takes responsibility for everything, everything is going to fall to shit. And it should. And it should. This is the right way things are. This is good that this is happening. This is morally righteous that this is happening. I would hate to see a system, well, that's what we had previously, a system flourish and do well that's built on horseshit by peddlers of horseshit who are going to eat this shit, everybody. Eat it. Yay. I don't want to see that work. And now it's failing. Hallelujah. Got a little forehead sweat on there. I think I forgot that we're on psychology today. So let's think about how do we help people, Richard? How do we help them to move forward? Okay, swipe this away. My sweat of righteous indignation. Look at the size of that forehead. Oh yeah, there's a lot of thoughts in there. Question, my family, mother specifically, has expressed feelings of abandonment since doing the work. Are my boundaries too harsh? I don't know. I have no way of knowing. Um, but I will say this, uh, as you do the work and your unconscious gets the sense that, okay, it's all about, it's all about your beliefs. Your beliefs are your unconscious coordinates for reality. Your beliefs, if you like psychoanalytic language and, you, and you're interested in, in, in Melanie Klein, your beliefs correlate with what she called fantasy. She spelled it with a, a PH to distinguish it from fantasy with an F. This is like the infantile, literally infantile, as an infant way of, this, of telling a story about out there. Because we don't really know what's out there. Not really. But we pretend we do. I do, you do. We all have to play the game that, we're, that we know what's out there. So when you start messing with these unconscious coordinates and going, well, actually, the fantasy is, <laughs> is wrong. That's why it's so triggering, because it's deep, deep work. But then on the flip side of it, there's things that you just won't tolerate anymore. Like what you would, and, and the change, if you do this work and you do it sincerely, the change is rapid. It's like a plane. Um, I always think of, uh, whenever I see this in, in clients, I, I think of a plane. If a plane shifts altitude very quickly, what happens inside the plane? Turbulence, turbulence. You don't go from like, 30,000 feet to 40. You're supposed to do it gently, right? If you're on a commercial airline and they're like, oh, this is going to take half an hour to get to cruising altitude. They could do it faster than that. It's just that it puts an enormous amount of pressure on the craft and is not pleasant for the passengers because you get huge turbulence if you do that. So you're going at 30,000 feet and then over two weeks, your um, self-worth, your value goes up to 35,000 feet. There'll be turbulence. There'll be turbulence in the sense that you may feel emotionally a bit icky uh, because you're in new terrain. You're like, oh, this doesn't feel very familiar. Even though it's good and it's right, you'll be like, oh, this feels a bit odd. And the uh, environment, the environment will push back. People, people have gotten away with doing this, that, and the other thing with you. And all of a sudden they're not. So they're not going to be happy about that, that you're suddenly got a bunch of whole new boundaries and a sense of, of value. They're going to push back. You must be watchful though, that you're not um, power drunk, drunk with power, because this is power. This is, once you've gotten over the fear and once you've gotten past resistance, this is, this is power. This is the power effectively to say no. This is the power to assert your will, but your true will, 
your authentic will, the individuated true self is here. That's a frightening thing for people because most people in, in our culture are showing up as their false selves. So it's very intimidating. Just your authenticity, it's terrifying. It's attractive uh, and bedazzling and compelling, but it's terrifying at the same time. So when people are terrified, they will go into a primal response. They might fawn and try and submit to you. You mustn't let them do that. Or they'll fight and they'll, they'll attack you. Or they'll freeze or they'll run away. So be careful that you're not drunk on power. Um, be objective, be rational, be kind, be compassionate. You're not, you're not here to shake up other people's reality. We're not adolescents. We're not, you know, we're not revolutionaries. The only revolutionary thing we're trying to do is at an individual level. You're trying to have an internal, individual revolution. Let the kids sort out the uh, external revolution. Their beautiful fantasy of romantic or what? But what does Zizek say about that? He says, I would sell my own mother into slavery to see the day after. What's the morning after of the big romantic revolution? Yuji uh, Rose makes the point, it is to reach balance, not to go from prey to hunter. So we don't want to be going all the way prey, all the way predator. That's going to suck. Uh, and you could do that if you were clumsy with this work. And I don't know. No, you probably, well... You'd have to be pretty determined to do it, but you could turn yourself into something predatory and narcissistic. We want balance. We want to be able to say, sometimes I'm, I'm yes, sometimes I'm no, sometimes I'm nothing. <gasps> Wonderful. No opinion, no choice, no yes, no, no yes and no no. Like people have forgotten that that's a choice. You have to choose, pick a side. Is it yes, is it no? Are you red or are you blue? How about I'm fuck you? Now I stay the fuck away from me with your shit. That's an option. Take it. Take that option every day. Just be like, you know, people come, they'll invite you into their drama, they'll invite you into something, and just refuse the invitation. Say, nah, I'm not, I'm not doing that right now, man. I'm, I'm, that's you. That's yours. This is mine. You're you. I'm me. My body, my brain, my time. And that's your stuff. Now you carry your own fucking burden. I'm not helping you out with that. It's difficult for codependents because, you know, we spent a lifetime carrying other people's burdens. I'll answer a couple more questions and I should probably go. Do you have any book recommendations in addition to the course? You could read, uh, see, if you try to read Nietzsche or Adler directly, God have mercy on you. I mean, the fucking sentences those men put together are brutal. They go on for pages. Um, but if you read books about Nietzsche and just, you don't want to get steeped in Nietzsche because he was a miserable guy and he was obsessed with strange things and he wasn't, a, he wasn't a happy dude to follow. He said some really clever things and then he got very sick and he stopped writing. And he got very sick and stopped writing when he was still quite young. So we never really got to see like mellow 60 year old Nietzsche. We never, we, that never happened, unfortunately. Um, with Adler, he's not... Uh, as fiery and rebellious and angry as Nietzsche, but he's long, man. He's long-winded. Um, so I would say maybe pick up like an introduction to Nietzsche, uh, an introduction to Adler and read around their perspectives because I love the Freud. I love, I don't love, but I have respect, really, really 
deep respect uh, for Young. Um, but I don't think that there's any real solutions, real solutions there. Adler was a, was a practical guy. He's the guy who's asking, what's the behavior you're manifesting? And he asks, what's the behavior you're manifesting? What is its purpose? That's beautiful. That's Zen. That's, that's Japanese poetry at a high level. What are you doing? I'm being a codependent. What purpose does that serve? Can you see, that's, like a, that's a key. That's a key that you can put that, any, any question. It's beautiful. It unlocks all doors. What are you doing? I'm in a narcissistically abusive relationship. I let my wife walk all over me. Oh, that's what you're doing. What is the purpose of that behavior? You know, go and bang uh, the temple bell. Oh my God, it's, <laughs> it's instant enlightenment. It's, uh, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. So if you're asking for book recommendations, Nietzsche, Adler, but don't get, you know, don't go crazy. Uh, Adler, uh, Nicole asks, what is the purpose of your behavior? Uh, it's Adler, that's an Adlerian question. What is the behavior? What is the purpose of this behavior? And um, he wasn't just into Nietzsche, he was into, uh, there's another German philosopher, Rainer, I think, who came up with the philosophy as, as if. So humans are never really doing reality. We're always doing some elements of blue pill. We're always doing something that's in Melanie Klein's fantasy realm. So he says, we live reality as if it were true. So all our models of reality are as if models. Everything we do, we do as if. And uh, Adler took that ball and ran with it. And he was like, okay, so our whole life story is a fictional narrative. So we live fictional narratives. We live a story. We're telling ourselves a story. Our culture is living a story right now. And the story's broken. It's fucking broken. It's all breaking down. People's individual stories are breaking down. Our collective stories are breaking down. Um, so if we understand that it was never real anyway, then there's no pain. We're not, we're not losing a real reality, but we are losing one of the many options we had of fictional narratives that we could live by, and it's breaking down. So um, what was the question? Adler said, uh, Adler said, what's, what's the purpose of behavior? Um, what? Natasha says, it's a Tarantino broken narrative. Black Mirror says, Maya, yeah, the, um, Buddhist and Hindu concept, the Sanskrit word maya, meaning illusion, which is one of these things that people go, oh, like, so you're saying there's no table, there's no chair. It's like, no, there is a table, there is a chair, there is reality, but you're lending it. You're, you're, uh, yeah, let's be gross. You're squirting your, your goo over everything. You're painting everything with your reality um, in the more pleasant, uh, sober, drier psychoanalytic terms, it's projection. You are projecting. You're projecting so there's a chair, but it's not just a chair. It's a chair that's like the one that my father used to sit in. I fucking hate him. I hate you. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like emotion and story and uh, a concept. That's Maya, it's Maya. And our efforts at meditation are in the same way that we try to create space between the individual and the emotional flashback and the perceptions of the emotional flashback. So you have like the idea of meditation is you're trying to pull away from Maya as best as you can. Like it's a human, we all blue pill. We all need blue pill in order to survive. But if you're over invested in Maya, 
you have overdosed on the blue pill of, of Maya, of the illusion, you get really sick and we are sick. Individuals are sick, society is sick because they've overdosed on illusion. They've, they've just been drinking this vile, um, narcissistic wank brew and now everybody's they're puking up. They're, they're, they're really, really sick, they're breaking down. I'll take one more and then we shall go. Shah says, reality is reality. You create the story. Yes. Okay. Uh, does the course help with counter-dependency as well? Um, it's not... It will, but it's not designed for that. So for counter-dependence, uh, I know I sound like a stock record, but fuck it, it's the truth. If you go to Fortress Mental Health Protection System, not just 30 days, give it time, you know, really go deep into the emotional literacy work. For a counter-dependent, I'd say focus on the superego work that's offered there. Really focus on your philosophy of life. What are your beliefs? What do you want? What is good to you? What is bad to you? Because counter-dependency is like um, love is bad. Intimacy is bad. Intimacy is threat. Uh, affection is um, control. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, and probably the free stuff on Fortress Mental Health Protection would probably give you more um, than this course would. Because this, this course is really for fawn responders who find themselves in relationships with narcissists a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, domo arigato. It has uh, been a pleasure to say words at you. Hopefully they were useful. If you, after this lengthy warning, um, think that you're up for it, the course is available to get from spartanlifecoach.com. Um, give it a go if you fancy it. And uh, there's, there's uh, no more words for you. That's enough. So we're finished. Um, and uh, yes, thank you. I look forward to speaking to you soon. Cheerio.